Well, hello and welcome to Crucial Conversations. I am Peter, your host, and we're doing something different with Crucial Conversations. I'm very excited about this different thing because joining me today is Kevin as my new co-host. So now neither of us are really hosts. We're just both doing a podcast together, right, Kevin? We're co-hosting our podcast. <laughs> is that how that works? Which is weird. I know. I, I, we're just I, talking, honestly. Yeah, we're... Well, that's and that's that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk, and we're gonna talk a lot about Jesus. Yeah, that's that's like the goal of this. So, if you've been subscribing to Crucial Conversations already, you already know how to do that. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Just search for Crucial Productions, and you will find this podcast to subscribe to. I say that because you're probably finding it through our website right now, or social media, yeah. or some other means like that. And you'll see that this is episode number thirteen. We've done 12 episodes already, and they're not like this at all. No. No, this is this is totally different, totally new. So we're, we're trying different things. The first series was a series on the large catechism, and now we're going to do something different and also cool. And, you know, uh, so here's the thing. We're actually going to be playing with our format a little bit. What we're doing today might not be what we do next week or the week after because we're really figuring this out and seeing what works. So let us know what you like. Definitely. Send, put notes in the comments. Yeah. And, d- comments in the comments section. Yeah. How, the however comment that section. works. Yes. Feedback. Okay. So today we're not going to talk about the podcast. We're going to actually talk about something. Yeah. We're going to talk about the most important thing ever. Literally ever. If there is one thing that could actually fit the category of most important thing ever in the in the world, the universe, ever creation, all time, all times. In a billion years, this will still be the most important thing. Yeah, that's true. A billion years ago, this was the most important thing. Before creation, before the foundations this, of the world. Yep. This was the most important thing. Did we give it away? Just I now? hope so. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so we are here. Peter and I being the we, to talk about Jesus. Yeah. Because that's what we do. It really is. We're kind of giving you an insight into some of the conversations Kevin and I have during the day. Yeah. Because <laughs> we we happen to be next to each other a lot. A lot. <laughs> and and so we end up talking about Jesus a lot. So I, I am going to um, take this opportunity to read to you something that I did not write. I don't think we're going to read anything that we wrote tonight. I'm kind of hoping to avoid that. Yeah. So here's something I did not write, but I find to be true. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. John 1.18. No one has ever seen God. Very startling words for John to write. Now... One of the things that we talk about a lot, we meaning Peter and I, but also other people in in the we reality, is the scriptures, the holy scriptures. And as John wrote these words of the New Testament in the Gospel of John, he wrote them based on scripture, based on the Old Testament scripture. Mm -hmm. And what's phenomenal about this passage is that if you read the Old Testament, there's really no way you can say that no one's ever seen God. 
because people see God. <laughs> he's all over the he's, Old he's Testament. He's showing up everywhere all the time. All the time. In a whole bunch of different ways. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that people struggle with is that he doesn't seem to show up like that anymore, which means he did then. Yeah. We, and we, we keep reading about it. We have it. no pillar of fire. There's no pillar, cloud pillar. He's not inscribing law on stone with his finger. I've never had a burning bush moment. Have you, Kevin? He, I, not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> of course, my, my lack of shepherding in the wilderness could contribute to that. Well, I don't know, but I'm not willing to. You're to right. It. I've never been a shepherd in the wilderness either. And my father-in-law is not <laughs> Jethro. So who knows? But um, God has not shown up, but he did in the Old Testament. And so knowing all of that, John was very aware of the Old Testament scriptures. And yet he says, without any problem, he says, no one has ever seen God. And he starts off his entire gospel saying that. Yeah. We're going to start off at the beginning. This is, this is how we're going to start. Here we go. Trust me. <laughs> right? And and so now he's going to write a gospel in which he quotes the Old Testament all over the place and alludes to it even more places. And yet he makes this statement that no one's ever seen God. And this is really the key to understanding all of Scripture and really all of Christianity. Yeah. Which is that the only way we know God is through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, through through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. There is no other way for us to access, if, I, if that's a good word to use, yeah. for us to access God, for us to really even know who he truly is outside of that incarnation, that revelation of Jesus Christ. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. Yeah. And nowhere else. And and today, what we're going to do... So here's the thing. The, this, this podcast, this episode, and past episodes and all future episodes are really all about Jesus and helping yep. us to see that. Because we believe, as John believes, that Scripture itself is all about Jesus. So even in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is also all about Jesus, and the New Testament is all about Jesus. And like you said, Kevin, to rightly understand Scripture, you have to understand that it's all about Jesus. And if you miss that, if that's not your your linchpin, your operating, your mode of operation, I'm trying to avoid Latin phrases right off the bat. Hermeneutic. Your hermeneutic. Yeah. yeah your good in- friend Herman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Herman New- Nudic. New- Which doesn't sound good. No, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Herman's a Nudic. <laughs> Your interpret- interpretive lens of scripture. Yeah. Uh, worldview is another right. word that can be thrown in here about your view of scripture. If yeah. that lens is not Jesus, then you're going to get scripture wrong. And the reason we can say that, Kevin, is because... Well, it's it's really all about Jesus. Jesus says that. And and yeah, and so here's the thing is when you're reading the word of God, you might want to listen to what God says about his own word. Yeah. And when Jesus is teaching the Jews in John chapter 5, he says, look, you guys are reading the, the scriptures and that's the right thing to do because you think in them you're going to have life and that's actually right. Mm-hmm. That's where you look. But he says, but you're getting them all wrong because you're, what you're not understanding is that they're all about me. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to us because it's not that we're actually fighting the fight of whether or not the scriptures is the word of God. That's a different issue. 
Okay. We believe yeah. the scriptures are the inerrant inspired word of God, but a lot of Christians believe that. But where this becomes so important is how do you read that inspired inerrant word of God? And, and the thing that is, is vitally important then is that Jesus himself says over and over again that the scriptures, including the Old Testament scriptures, are all about him. Mm-hmm. His life, his death, his resurrection, his second coming, forgiveness of sins in his name, it's all about him. And so this, this passage in John really sets that up for us, is that no one's ever seen God, right? But the only God, and, and the Greek word there is monogenes theos. Now, that, those are two important Greek words, theos is God. But monogenes is this word that kind of means the unique one, the one who is very unique. And this is a word that's used to describe Jesus several times in the Gospel of John. But, but what it says is that no one has ever seen God, and we want to understand God there is probably meaning Father, Right? But then, but this unique one who is himself God, this, this unique one who is God, who is at the Father's side, he has made the Father known. And, and this is how John brings us into the gospel, his written gospel account, to explain to us that when we look at Jesus, we are seeing who God truly is. And, and what John does, which is exemplary for the entire reading of Scripture, is that he continues to point us to Old Testament passages where God shows up and he says, see, that was Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when God showed up to Jacob with Jacob's ladder, that was Jesus. When he showed up to wrestle him? Jesus. Jesus. When he showed up to Moses, that was Jesus. Yeah. When he showed up to Abraham? I was just going to say Abraham, yep. That was Jesus. When he shows up to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, mm-hmm. Jesus. And all of a sudden, you start rereading the scriptures. So two things. First thing, the reason that, that Kevin, you and I are starting this, this new iteration of the podcast with this conversation is because we want anybody who is coming to Crucial Productions to see any of the material that, that we have put out or will be putting out to understand that this is how we are also reading scripture. It's also the the standard we want you to hold us to, to make sure we're consistently (laughs) reading scripture in this way. So as we're putting out materials, we're, you know, our our tagline is teaching you Christianity so you can pass it on. This is the Christianity we want to teach so that you can pass it on. And that also means that as you are learning it, you can continue to listen and hold us accountable and say, hey, I think you missed it here. But, you know, you you went off of Jesus and you're in onto something else. And hopefully if we can, if we do a good job of teaching you that, you'll be able to then turn around and in turn help us do it even better because you've, you've heard and believed. Well, and the other, <laughs> the other real key to all this is that I read the scriptures daily. You read the scriptures daily. Mm-hmm. We want everyone listening to open your scriptures and read them daily. Yeah. And what we're helping you do is when you open the scriptures to read them, how do you read them? 
Yeah, what does this mean? You read them about Jesus. And and what that means is not only will they be able to help us as our, in our teaching or, or make sure we're doing this right, but they'll also find Jesus in every page of Scripture themselves yeah. as they're reading with their children, as they're reading with their spouse. And and that's really, you know, that's really the point of crucial is that we're doing all of this to make sure all of us are reading scripture with our families, with, you know, wherever God calls us to be mm-hmm. in our vocations, that any opportunity we have to read scripture, to sk- to share scripture, um, even in our prayer life, you know, what happens when Jesus is really the beginning, middle and end of all of my thoughts about God? my devotions, mm-hmm. my prayers, my daily interaction with other people, is I learn to say, hey, you know what? Jesus is not just the starting point. He's not just the founder of our religion or something like that. Yeah. No, he's actually he, the point. He got it going and right. kind of, all now, right, guys. And now I got to kind of fill in the rest. Yeah, you know, do your best. Yeah, and so, and even as you say it, it kind of sounds almost obvious that, well, of course, it's all about Jesus. Right. When, but, we, when we've started it this way, it's kind yeah, of obvious. It's like, duh. <laughs> but I, I think in, the, in a re- very real sense, when we, when we start thinking about it's all about Jesus, this is going to sound strange, but, but all of a sudden the Lutheran confessions make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Because the heartbeat of the Lutheran confessions is the simple teaching that we are saved by God's action and not our own. Mm-hmm. And that's just another way to say it's really all focused on Christ and what he did, right? Which is actually the reason we hold to the confessions. That's right. That that's that's why Kevin and I confess those con- the confessions as our own confession. Yes. Because they confess Jesus. Yeah. And and simply retell what scripture already says and what Jesus himself said. And what I I tell people this all the time when I'm teaching is is that the the reason I'm a Lutheran is because all of our doctrine is the same. Mhm. I don't care what doctrine we're talking about. We, <laughs> we end up talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. We end up talking about forgiveness of sins, that we are saved by grace through faith because of what Christ has done. I don't care what doctrine it is. Yeah. You talk about sacraments, that's the point. We, you talk about eschatology, that's the point. We've got a couple Lutheran sayings that kind of sum that up. One of them is, all theology is Christology. Mm-hmm. Anytime you're talking about theology, you are going to be talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I say, I don't know if this is a particular Lutheran one, but everything we say is going to start... Here's what it is. My definition of that phrase is, our theology is going to start with Christ and end with Christ. If it starts with something else, you're not going to end with Christ. And if you don't end with Christ, you probably didn't start with Christ either. You've, you've gone off somewhere. So you need to be sure... Whatever we're talking about, like, pick your theological topic, predestination, the rapture, baptism, you know, what, whatever it is, play your theological bingo buzzword, doesn't matter what it is, it is actually going to be about Jesus in some way. And if it isn't about Jesus, it might not actually matter. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, I, whatever. Or it might be leading us away from God. And this is... You know, I know some people who are listening might be a little upset by some of the things we're saying because there's always a fear that when we focus too much on Jesus, we lose the focus on the Father 
or on the Holy Spirit mm. or on this doctrine or that doctrine. But I'm telling you, you read the scriptures this way and your Trinitarian theology will fall into place. It, yeah, it'll, you're, it'll this, only get stronger. It, it actually moves you to a full confession of the Father. Yeah. When you see Jesus, trust me, you see the Father. Jesus actually said those words. When you see me, you've seen the Father. I think we're on pretty safe pretty theological ground, ground if there. you're just repeating what Jesus right. said. And that same Jesus said, and I will send my spirit who will remind you of everything I taught you. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's it's this Christocentric, the, the, that Jesus is the center, he's the focus. At Hebrews 12 too, I know some of these passages are, are almost cliche, but, but you just... You got to remember what it says. You know, fixing our eyes on Jesus, mm-hmm. the the one who began and the goal of our faith. Right, the the beginner and the finisher, which is a really weird translation, but but really the <laughs> idea there is he's he's the he's the beginning, and he's the goal of our faith. Right, and who for the joy set before him endured this cross, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. See, even even there, it's the focus on Christ that brings us to an understanding of the Father. And by the way, right before that, that's that's the beginning of Hebrews twelve, right? That's twelve mm-hmm. two. Twelve one is right after chapter. 11, which is a whole chapter of faith, yep, which the is faith. the work of the Spirit. Yeah. And the transition from chapter 11 to chapter 12, verse 2, is 12, verse 1, which says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with race the perseverance, right? Mm-hmm. Or run, run with perseverance the race. And, and the point is, it's because the Holy Spirit works faith in the church and keeps the, ch- the church in the faith. See, you got Holy Spirit there? Mm-hmm. And then the Father is the, is the right hand at, at, whom Jesus, at whose right hand Jesus is sitting. And, and you have this amazing Trinitarian reality with the focus directed to Jesus. Yeah. As always. Now, you mentioned fear. You, you brought that up. So I, I just want to highlight that a little bit because this has been something for myself in my own growth in, in faith or whatever phrases we use to talk about, you know, maturing in Christ and growing in Christ. But this whole idea of fear, what has helped me in that tremendously is this focus on Christ and realizing how little I actually was focused on Christ. Uh, which is interesting because I would tell anybody who asked me the reason I became a Lutheran five, six, eight years ago, whenever it really happened, <laughs> was because of Jesus. Yeah. Because our theology is all about Christ and it points to Christ and that's it's the be-all and end-all of what we confess. And yet, I also realized a couple years ago that I had moved kind of away from that. Not intentionally. Not, not knowledgeably, like not knowing that I was doing it. It's just when I began to focus on individual doctrines and making sure I had the right answers for different things and kind of had all my scriptures lined up and everything, I actually ended up forgetting about Jesus. And one of the end results is a fear that develops when I don't have the 
best or right answer to somebody who has a question. Somebody who, whether it's a Lutheran, non-Lutheran, challenges my view on something, and I don't have the right quote from the confessions, I don't have the right Bible verse lined up, I don't have enough memorized to give the right answer, uh, or I do, and that answer doesn't work. Mm-hmm. They're not convinced by it, it doesn't work. This fear can settle in where it's like, oh, then is that the right answer? Is that actually true? It didn't convince this person. And I have a couple options at that point. I, One option I very often took was, Ah, well, they're just rejecting God's word. Right. It's not my fault. Right. It's their fault for it's rejecting God's sin. word. Yeah, they're, it's just their concupiscence. Right. Which I got concupiscence in is. first. <laughs> he took my word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of Kevin's favorite words. Well, but, I, so there, there's that that happens, but then there's the, the, the other side of it is just the fear of, mm-hmm. uh-oh, what if I'm wrong? And here's the thing. When we actually focus on Jesus, we don't just assume we are. Mm-hmm. We don't just think that we are, but we actually intentionally, on purpose, read Scripture through the lens of Christ, read our confessions through that lens, and never stop talking about how it's actually about Jesus. That fear goes away because I'm now believing in Jesus, mm-hmm. in the person, in actually, actually in Him, in my Savior, and not my own ability to answer, my own ability to... Whatever it is, right. the, the fear is no longer there because I'm not actually trusting myself in any way anymore. Yeah, and I think um, one of the things you brought up that's really important is when we discuss doctrine with Christians or with non-Christians, mm-hmm. and we often think that we are in the position of defending the gospel or defending God. Or defending the Bible. Or, or defending or the Lutheran Confessions. Or defending, defending Jesus. And, and I really, I understand the word apologia and all that kind of stuff. And what <laughs> We're not is. talking about apologetics. That's right. something different. Well, but, but, even, but even there, I just think it's, it's helpful to take a step back and say, does God really need my defense? Mm-hmm. Is the whole kingdom of God contingent on my ability to be smarter than this guy? Yeah. Or or is this even a place where faith comes in and I trust God to be God and his word to be his word? And it might not be about my ability and my smartness. And this is what you're saying is when you're focused on Christ, you're not trying to win an argument. You're actually bearing witness to the truth Mm -hmm. of Christ. And there is no fear in that. That actually is what confessing is. And apologetics actually yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really pointing people to the definitive work of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I want to get to, and I want to get to a couple of different issues before we before we end this, is that we, we're not Jesus reductionists, okay, where there's kind of this charge that when you say, oh, it's all about Jesus, you kind of don't care about doctrine, you don't care about... Uh, differences in denominations or differences in, in how people interpret scriptures. We're not saying that at all. As a matter right. of fact, all of that is extremely important because we're focused on you'll, Jesus. You'll probably find that we're even more intentional about those conversations than less. Exactly. <laughs> and because because Christ is so important and all these things actually are so important because they are about salvation. Mm-hmm. 
the other thing I want to talk about briefly is that I think baptism is always one of the best places to kind of think this one through. Hmm. And there's there's kind of a different a couple of different things going on with baptism. One is, um, I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this. They were in they were encountering somebody who who rejected infant baptism, and they were trying to defend the the biblical and Lutheran doctrine of infant baptism. A very common thing for us this Lutherans to encounter. Yeah. It happens all this the time. This is normal on social media, in person, whatever. Yeah. Right. Yep. And. And they were trying to think of all the Bible verses where it says to, to take your baby and baptize them, and they couldn't find any. <laughs> and the other person was saying, see, there are no verses that say you should baptize infants. And they're like, well, what about the households? And they said, well... And, the, and nations. And I said, well, nations. you're just reading that into it. It doesn't say infants, so you're just wanting it to say infants, so you're pretending it does. Mm-hmm. And this person was really kind of struggling with... Um, one, the guilt of not being able to answer the questions, but two, I could tell in their eyes, kind of, uh-oh, they're right. Yeah, there isn't a verse, there isn't that, a verse that says explicitly, baptize go baptize babies. Right. I mean, Acts 2.39 is close, the promise is for you and your children, right? Mm-hmm. But even that's kind of, what's the promise, and is it baptism? Yeah, the, the, yeah. You know, that, would be the count, of, that would be the counterpoint, is, that's kind is of that promise being tied to but, baptism. But there is no, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt baptize infants. Right, um, and and it's really always a difficult conversation because we get trapped in this kind of this round and round about well Bible passage Bible passage Bible passage but we're all reading the same Bible. It's not like you're gonna open your Bible to First Peter three twenty one and then we're like, my Bible did, didn't have that. I didn't know there was a First Peter. Yeah, thank you so much for showing me. You know, it's well, not and, gonna and happen. It's, and it's not only that, but it's also they, whoever they is, who has the differing viewpoint is just as sincere right in their christianity in their belief even would likely agree that it is all about jesus Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that we've said in this episode so far they would have no disagreement with right they are christians and yet they read that text and see something totally different different. it's just so what what actually happened in this conversation is i said to this person i said you know you did a great job of of you know, entering the conversation. I'm really wonderful. Glad you did. Glad you did that. Mm-hmm. I said, but maybe next time, try to change the conversation to be more about what Jesus has done for us, mm-hmm. and then talk about baptism. Which, which I would see. So here's the thing. I would think that that's what I was doing. Right. Well, I was talking about that. That's right. what baptism is. I was talking about what Jesus has done for me. Right. But, but we're not actually, but actually communicating not. that. Right. And the reality is we might not actually be talking about that. Because the, the issue of infant baptism is, has God done something to save infants? That's the question of infant baptism. Mm-hmm. Has God taken an action that you can point to a definitive action to save infants. That's the main question of infant baptism. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the theology of scriptures, just in general, you're going to say, well, you know, I don't know if infants are ever 
necessarily identified as people that need salvation. And you can argue about certain passages about sin and when we become sinners and the Psalms. So that's kind of an Old Testament thing. And, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, what does all that circumcision mean? Circumcision comes into Circumcision may be eight days old. But see, we're always missing the point. The point is that the death and resurrection of Jesus is for everyone, every single person. Yeah. It does not discriminate based on age or gender or race mm-hmm. or intellectual ability or even faith. Christ died for everyone. Everyone. Every sin. Yep. Every person of all time. And that's actually why this is the most important yes. topic ever. And as I always like to say, and it worked. <laughs> he didn't just try it. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. When Jesus died and rose again, all sins paid for. Yep. All of them. He accomplished, he accomplished what it. he set out to do. God made promises. God kept those promises in the death and resurrection of Jesus, and it is finished. Amen. Yes. Now, if Jesus died for every single person and for every single sin, how do we deliver that forgiveness to those people? What mechanism does the scripture give us to deliver those means? Mm-hmm. So if Jesus died and rose again, and that accomplished salvation of all people, how do I give that to an how, infant? How does it get from Jesus to me? Or 2,000 yeah. years ago, this event that happened, right. how does that get to how me? How do I get it? And the answer is faith. It's by yeah. faith. By Which faith you have been saved. Yeah, Ephesians 2. Yeah, yep. it's great, isn't it? The Bible says all over the place, it's by faith. By faith in Jesus Christ, by the faith of Jesus Christ, through faith. And God gives us that faith by grace. We know these things. Nobody argues with this, really. I mean... And this is the point of what John is saying, where we started this whole thing off is, oh, that faith in Christ, also the same faith in the Old Testament. Yeah, it's always been the Hebrew, same. Hebrews 11, same faith. We've we've been going through Romans, Romans yeah. 3, 4, 5, same faith. Same faith. Always the same faith has saved people from the beginning of time. Yep. So how does God give people faith? There's one way. His word. Mm-hmm. One way. His yep. word. And this is true from, you can read the entire scriptures. It's always the word of God. Yep. Always has been, always will be, word of God. Now, here's the weird thing. He gives us that word in different ways. Sometimes it's attached to things. Yeah. And one of the ways that he gives us that word is when it's wet. He gives Mm -hmm. us a wet word, right? As Luther says. And so one of the wonderful things about our God is he says in baptism, when you are washed in the waters of baptism, you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the forgiveness of your sins. When you are washed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you receive. Mm Mm-hmm faith. That's what the Holy Spirit gives to you. That's what forgiveness of sins is. It's receiving, right? Yep. And so now the simple question is, to whom does God desire to give that gift? Everyone. Every sinner. Yep. Right? And that's really the discussion of infant baptism. And he never puts a limitation on it in terms of age, terms of race, intellectual ability, all those things. Yep. No. he, He desires to save Everyone. All. Yep. And so this is, and so what we've done in this discussion is 
moved away from a dis- uh, the fundamental discussion being about who can be baptized, and we've moved the conversation to the fundamental action that God has taken to rescue sinners. And if I walk away and you disagree with me over infant baptism, okay, but you have heard and mm-hmm. we have shared together that what God has done to save mankind is to send his son to, to die and rise again. And you know what? I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work through that to maybe convince you to relook at baptism, to look at the scriptures. And that's really our goal. It's not our goal to convince people that we're right. Yeah. It's our goal to get people to the cross of Christ, to get people to rejoice in the gifts that God gives. I mean, this is an amazing reality. That's a very different thing to have a discussion like this with someone. And let's say I'm the one who, who disagrees on infant baptism. And I have this discussion with my friend, my Lutheran friend, who has handled the discussion in this way. I'm likely not going to go back, pull out my Bible to find all the ways that I can refute your argument that you just put out. And I'm going to pour over it for days, weeks, months, whatever, trying to refute the argument. No, I'm hopefully going to go back and pull out my Bible and say, wait, it's about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. Show that to me. I want to see that. And we believe this is our confession that when you see that it's about Jesus, that's what, that's what makes you a Christian. And you eventually will also see baptism in that context. You'll see the Lord's Supper in that context preaching, all the other things, private absolution, which becomes a big Mm -hmm. hurdle for a lot of people. You begin to see that in that context. It's all put into this context. All of a sudden, you're reading scripture for a very different reason, in a very different way, and you're looking for Jesus. Yeah. And that's just awesome. (laughs) And we've we've also just totally changed the conversation from what's between us is whether or not infants can be baptized. That was the way we started. And what we ended was the most important thing between us is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the very small question at the end is, are infants included in this? See, we've shifted the conversation from being all about doctrine, about infant baptism, which is an important doctrine. Mm-hmm. But we've actually moved it to that doctrine is part of our confession of God's definitive action for the salvation of mankind in his son, Jesus Christ. Look, no one's ever seen God. I can't describe God to you, but I can talk to you about Jesus, about what he's done, about who he is, and about what he's done and who he is and the effect that has on sinners. Mm -hmm. Luther said, this is theology, that God saves sinners in Christ. That's it. That's all of theology. And, And that's really what we're saying. And we're using John today kind of as a, as a launching pad for that. But that's, that's really the heart of it, is that all of this talk about God, which is what theology actually is, is really the confession that in Christ, God saves sinners. Mm-hmm. And we've done it without using 1 Peter 3.21. Yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> we didn't even mention our favorite <laughs> baptism verse. Anyways, well, thank you guys for joining us today for this new different kind of crucial conversations. We hope you will join us next week where we're going to talk about a Bible reading plan that will actually assist you in doing this very thing. Just how we read through the Bible, in in what order we read the books. Mm -hmm. There is a way to read it that can actually help you do this. And so 
next week, we're going to talk about that. This is Crucial Conversations, a production of Crucial Productions. That sounds weird. That sounds weird. Why did we name it Crucial Productions? Because then we can't say production in anything. Anyways, anyways, find us on www.crucialproductions.org. We have, actually, you know, before we sign off, we should mention this. Yes. We have a fantastic project that we have just launched earlier this week. Well, it depends on when this episode gets released, but you know, it was just launched. We have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash crucial productions. What you'll find there is a fantastic project that we are very excited about getting off the ground called The Bible in Five. Every book of the Bible, a video for every book of the Bible, and in five minutes or less, we will teach you how to read each book of the Bible through the lens of Jesus Christ. Doing what we just did here today, but for every book of the Bible. So if you are a, a pastor, a layperson, a father, a mother, you are a friend, you're wanting to study God's word, you want to read it alone, you want to read it with the group, and you want to do it through the lens of Jesus, making sure that you're, you're seeing Jesus in everything you read. Well, that's what the Bible in five is for. So head on over to Patreon. We hope you become a patron. Uh, there are varying levels you can do that. Help us get that project off the ground. If you don't want to do Patreon. You want to just give directly to us. Hey, you can do that too. Crucial Productions is a nonprofit tax-exempt entity. Go to crucialproductions.org slash give, and you can support us that way as well. But more important than that, you can support us the best by reading God's Word, by going to church at your local L. Smith congregation, by confessing your sins, by rejoicing and the amazing gift that Jesus is to you from God, your Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. He loves you very much. And passing that on. Teach others. Don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. God is good. Amen. See you next week. See ya.